Hello there, happy Wednesday or draft eve, whatever you want to call this. NHL draft starts on Thursday. Um, For today's show, we're going to get into uh, Ron Hextall speaking to the media, updating the statuses of Evgeny Malkin and Chris Tang, which has been basically a daily tradition on this podcast for the last month or two. Don't worry, we got about a week until this is going to be all done, hopefully less, and then I can stop talking about that for the rest of the offseason. Um, also going to get into Rob Rossi's report on the athletic and what the Penguins have reportedly offered Malkin and what he could be potentially um, swayed to do um, if he keeps the, if they if the Penguins keep that AAV. Where it is we're also going to get into the Penguins' schedule. That was least I'll give my early thoughts on that. And then if there is time, I'm going to go into the full draft board that Jason and I have. I've given some teases, some different categories, but for today I'm going to go into all the categories that we have with all the players that we have um, there. So without further ado, let's get right on into it. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let's get right on into the first topic of the day. Ron Hextall speaking um, his pre-draft press conference with the media today. And um, the first order of business, he touched on Chris Tang, and he basically confirmed uh, DK's report of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and he said um, he believes he is close to getting a deal done with Chris Letang. He actually says he would be surprised if he does not get an extension done with Letang. He's hoping to have it finalized over the next day or two. I think he said they have some a few more details to iron out. But um, basically says there's a really good chance that they, they, that they get this done uh, before they leave the draft. Um, on Friday and Saturday. So that's great news. Um, the fact that he's very likely going to be locked up for the foreseeable future, um, you know, it me- means so much. You know, there's just, again, I'll say for the hundredth time on this podcast, there's no one on the free agent market or the trade market uh, that is going to come in here and play the minutes that Chris Tang does and play them as well as Chris Tang does. So very good news there from Ron Hextall. Also spoke about Evgeny Malkin. He said they're not as close with him but they, he did meet with J.P. Barry, the agent for Evgeny Malkin, on Tuesday night. He expects that to continue on um, through, through the week here, I'm sure, into the weekend if there's no deal and all that stuff. Um, that's just basically par for the course. Now, Rob Rossi of The Athletic, he did come out with another story today about Evgeny Malkin and Chris saying, if I can lo- load it up here. And, you know, he spoke to some sources both league-wide and team-wide. And he said about, well, first off about Latang, um, Latang obviously is going to get a raise. He thinks it's going to be closer to the 8 million range when it is all said and done. He also, um, he also said um, Hextall has warmed up to the idea of Latang's ass of a contract for four to five years. So, you know, I know DK is saying it's probably going to be three, you know, Rossi's saying, you know, he, it could be four to five. We're just going to have to see on that. Either way, I think the term is going to be right around eight, um, if not a little more. Now, this was the big kicker with Malkin from Rossi. He said, Gino would like to be in that salary range, but the Penguins want to retain Malkin and Latang, 
at around 14 million combined annually so they can leave enough room under the cap to make other roster moves. Penguins currently have 21.4 million in projected cap space. Okay. I understand that mentality. You want to, you know, lock them up for I guess as little as you can because you know you want to make um changes to the other uh, to the outer edges of your roster, but also I guess not, you know, giving up players for um from your team. Um, in order to do that. But, you know, if you want to just give Malkin a little bit more money and, and a little more term, the Penguins can still do that. I mean, certain people, I think, in, in the Pittsburgh hockey community have brainwashed fans into thinking that that can't be done with only $21 million in cap space. You can literally open up 4 to $5 million and have $25, 26000000 million to pay those two players, and you will still have money left over to make changes to the other parts of the roster, whether it's bringing in another defenseman, um, if you trade one of Mark, Marcus Pedersen or Brian Dumas, whether it's you know bringing in, bringing in another forward to replace Kasperi Kapan, or if you trade Brock McGinn, or you know <clears throat> say, say Dayton Heinen doesn't come back, you know they will have that cap space. So people saying that they're not going to have enough room, that is a myth. They, they they are they are more than capable of opening up significant cap room to fit both of these players under. Um, the salary cap. They've been doing this for 16 years. So there's no reason to think that they can't uh, still do it. Um, Rossi also says he would like to, uh, Gino would like this to be his final NHL contract. He plans on playing more than just a couple of seasons. He says the Penguins offer to Malkin before they talked on Tuesday was two years at 6 million per. So um, the, the two years part I, that was confirmed, I think by, um, it was another independent um, outlet. I, I'm I'm forgetting it right now. Uh, I, oh yeah, that was I, it was um yeah sorry Pierre LeBron of the Athletic. He was the one that said originally it was two years. We didn't have the AAV amount. Rossi was able to come in with the AAV. You know six million. I I, I get why they're, they're doing the two years six six million per stuff. They're concerned with the injuries. Who knows if he's gonna I guess fall off after year two. You know that the, the, they're being cautious. I, I get that side of it. You know overall though. You should still bump that up, I think, at least a little bit. Um, but Ross, this is the big kicker here. Malkin could be willing to take such a drastic salary reduction of $3.5 million, but only if the Penguins sign him for four years, a league source and team source said to him. Okay, where is the problem here? If a, a steal of a contract, four years times $6 million per I mean that that if he if Malkin is going to do that and that is true from Rossi, why has a deal not been agreed to yet? That does not make any sense to me. You know, I, I don't want to sit here and you know continue to say that Hextall is playing hardball with him. I, you know, he, he probably is in, in some capacity, but you know, th- th- this should be a very easy negotiation. I mean, if if he is willing to take that drastic of a pay cut, but still get the term that he wants so he can go out with Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang together. <clears throat> why why has the deal not been reached? And yeah, you can point to him not being as durable as he used to be. Sure, you can point to him not being as good as he used to be at 5v5, but the team is going to flat out stink when that contract is up, when the Chris Letang contract is up, when the Sidney Crosby's contract is up. Who gives a crap 
about turn in these situations. I, I keep seeing that sentiment from some people in the Penguins fan base. Well, you know, that turn has to make sense for the Penguins and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it, it, it really does not. Sure, does the money need to make sense? Yeah, I, I can listen to that argument. But the term really doesn't. I mean, I, I mean, four to five years, the team is going to stink at that point, we, we, no matter what. Even if you bring in, say, Vincent Trocek or whoever else that's a UFA and Malkin walks, the team is still not going to be good when Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang's contracts are up when hopefully Chris, Chris Letang does sign that contract. So I don't really know where that, weird take is coming from it's it's a it's a pointless argument um i think at least to me um the report goes on to say some other stuff that um malkin feels the penguins have not shown him respect deserving of a legacy player i don't really know if i buy that to be honest i mean it's it's fine if the penguins are prioritizing um chris letang over everyone else i mean he he's when it comes to players at their respective positions and, and i've said this a lot this week and last week, you know, no disrespect of getting Malkin, you know, Chris Tang is more elite at his position right now than of getting Malkin is um, at his position. But, you know, a big compromise for Gino's contract, just do three times 6.5. That honestly could work. He goes out with Sid. He potentially goes out with Latang. They're both basically 40. They're all, all basically 40 at that point. Anyway, you know, <clears throat> sure. Does he take a 3 million pay cut? Yeah, but at least you bump his salary up a little bit and you give him an extra year. That's not two years if he's not, you know, already getting an extra year offer. And hopefully that works for both parties. You know, this should, again, these should be very easy negotiations. It should not have been take, it should not be taking this long to redo a contract for one or both players. I've had that take all offseason. I'm going to stand by it now. I'll especially stand by it if one of them walks. Um, probably if, if one does block, it's going to be of Kenny Malkin. Um, but you know, I'm just, I'm tired of, you know, just doing this dance. I think every day, you know, well, hopefully the Latang extension will be announced either Thursday or Friday. And then hopefully a Malkin extension will be announced, um, shortly after that. So that wraps up this first segment of today's episode coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into the Penguins schedule and, and some interesting findings that, um, when I dove a little deeper into it, I was able to find some just some cool stuff about the Penguin schedule um, overall. I'm just losing my words for some reason. I guess it's just because it's late at night. Um, but before I get to that, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Well, the NHL playoffs are over, but still, especially Major League Baseball. Bandline is your continuous source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And the site remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news. The season, Bandline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. That is Bandline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Odies. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO <clears throat> underscore Penguins. So let's get into the Pittsburgh Penguins 2022-23 schedule that was announced officially um, today. Um, first off, I will, let, I will let you all know, um, in case you all, if any, if any of y'all are wondering if I'm going to come up to a game or two this coming season, yes. Um, the plan right now 
Uh, I'm trying to come up for November 15th, which is my birthday. They're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs at PBG Paints Arena. Um, once tickets go on sale, um, I am going to purchase one. Um, and I think I'm definitely going to be there. I think it'll be one of the, I think it'll be the first game that I'll be in attendance for since I started doing <clears throat> this podcast. And, you know, if a lot of you go, you know, I can't wait to hopefully uh, meet some of you all, chat with you all. Um, I think that would be just absolutely awesome if I got to meet some of the listeners um, that obviously listen to me uh, speak a bunch of nonsense <laughs> um, about this team. But wanted to put that out there before I really dive into this. But Penguins, they officially opened their season Thursday, October 13th against the Arizona Coyotes. They will then play the Tampa Bay Lightning on the 15th. Then they have Montreal, Los Angeles, and then they have a whole lot of road games. In fact, 14 of the Penguins' first 21 games are on the road. That's something you you, you don't usually see um, for a team starting the season. I, I don't know why the schedule makers made it that way. I don't know if PPG Paints Arena has a bunch of concerts during the, the final week of October. I have no idea, but... You know, they have Columbus, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, basically the entire Western Canada road trip. I had some people that were asking me, why why do the start times say all 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, all this stuff? Um, for the, the Western Canada games, it says 6 p.m. on the road because that's when it starts, you know, Pacific time and mountain time and stuff. So for Edmonton, um, that'll start at 9 o'clock Eastern, Calgary, 10 o'clock. Vancouver, 10 o'clock, Seattle, 10 o'clock, um, and all that stuff. The California trip, that doesn't take place until about mid-February when they go to Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose. Then they finish it with a trip um, to Long Island to play the Islanders. Um, they also have a lot more back-to-backs this year, 15 of them. Um, remember, the Penguins this past season were one of the league leaders in the least amount of back-to-back games. I think they only had. I think it was like five to seven, something like that. Um, ne- this next season, they're um, tied for some of the most back-to-backs um, in the league. The, the schedule is going to be pretty crazy um, for the Penguins. You know, it, it also is weird. You know, um, they play some of their rival teams um, only three times. If I can pull up this tweet here um, from Josh Yoey, um, they only play the Philadelphia Flyers three times next year. Only one trip to Philadelphia. So the Penguins can only hear – um, Sidney Crosby get booed once in Philadelphia, unless the two teams play in the playoff series. And that's probably not going to happen, um, at this point, but, um, th- that's really sad. There's also only three matchups, um, against the Washington Capitals. I just almost lost my voice, um, there. Yeah. So I believe it's only one time in Pittsburgh for Penguins Capitals. The other two take place. Um, in Washington, D.C. I, I don't know why the league um, is doing it like that. I mean, it's also the same for Flames. The Oilers, they only play three times. Rangers, Islanders is only three times. And, you know, I get it as Josh says. Seattle's in, in the league now. You got to account for them too. But, you know, th- th- this is painfully dumb. I mean, Penn's Caps, one of the best rivalries in the league. Penn's Flyers, usually one of the best rivalries in the league. Why are you only having those two teams play each other three times? You know? I get it if it's something like Pittsburgh, Carolina, where it's that's not really that big of a rivalry, but the fact that you're you're screwing up big rivalry matchups to have the Penguins play a few other teams one more time that um, they're not really as big of rivals with, um, definitely a bit weird um, to say the least. There's also uh, a stretch in March where um, you know th- 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 this could be the big stretch here 
when there will be maximum takes for the Penguins? Well, there's going to be two. So if you are someone who likes to see how the fan base reacts to like certain stretches of the schedule and stuff. So obviously circle November 25th on your calendar. That's when I believe it ends when the Penguins have played their first um, close to their first like 2021 games of the season. Um, that'll be, uh, again, 14 of the first 21 are on the road. So circle around the end of November, early December for when the hot take artists are going to come out. And also the second to third week of March. Actually, actually, I should say the entire, uh, the first three weeks of March. So March 2nd, they go to Tampa Bay. The 4th, they go to, uh, to Florida. Then they come home to play Columbus, the Islanders, then the Flyers, then the Rangers, then the Canadians, then the Rangers, and then the Rangers again. This is the probably the weirdest thing about the schedule. And I have never, I've been watching this sport for basically 20 years of my life at this point. I have never seen a team play another team three times in the same week during a full 82 game regular season like this that I have right now with the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They will play them one time at home on March 12th. Then again, they will play that game up against Montreal. March 16th, they will play the Rangers at MSG. March 18th, they will play the Rangers again at MSG. Three games in the span of six nights. And it's not a playoff series. I I do not know what the schedule makers are doing there. Um, Maybe you'll see more of that um, in the seasons to come. But that was definitely a bit weird, um, to say the least, when I stumbled upon that. Um, but, you know, overall, I think this is a fine schedule. They have a ton of home games in the second half of the regular season. You know, their April schedule is fine. Boston, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Minnesota, after Detroit, Chicago, Columbus. Um, they don't play the Rangers for the first time until December 20th. So cl- close to about the halfway point, I should say, of the regular season. They don't play the Capitals until uh, November 9th, if I got that right. Yes, I did. Um, in terms of the other rivalry games that oh, the other teams in the metro they don't play they play columbus at uh the fifth game of the regular season looking at other ones first time they play philadelphia black friday november uh 25th um at the at the wells fargo center that's a 5 p.m start time they play carolina for the first time november 29th so it's not going to be like this regular season where the penguins don't see the hurricanes until basically game 50 to 55 or, or same with the rangers um <clears throat> at that point um, they're going to play the Islanders until almost 2023. They play them for the first time on December 27th. Um, they don't play the Devils until December 30th. Um, just looking here to make sure I got every other. I think I got all the big ones that I wanted to hit. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a very busy schedule up until Black Friday against the Flyers. But after that, you know, they come home for a five-game home stand. Actually, after that, um, going into December 12th, they will have seven of their next eight um, at home. So, you know, if they can just tread water on the road at that point, um, they can come home. And, you know, they usually play very well at PPG Paints Arena under Mike Sullivan. So I would have to think that um, they'll be able to win, I think, most of those games. At home. So that wraps up the second segment of the podcast, looking at the Penguin schedule for next season. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to get into the full draft board and you know just who we who we placed in the different categories for this year's draft. Of course, you know, the first round is tomorrow. And you know, bearing something unforeseen, I think the Penguins are gonna take a player 
at pick number 21. So that's all coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter, at Penguins. So <clears throat> let's get into the full draft board that Jason and I have. So I've already touched on a few of these players. With We have them in the hope they fall category. Um, Daniela Yurov, Jesse Marshall has been high on his train on Wednesday. Um, I talked about him either yesterday or a couple days ago. You know, we ha- we compare him to Nikita Kucherov and Troy Terry. In my opinion, he's a top 10 talent in this draft. Um, the Russian factor is definitely going to, I think, have him fall, especially with what's going on right now with Kirill Kaprizov and that Flyers goaltending prospect who I think was sent off to a Russian fighting facility or something like that. That's a really – both of these are really scary situations. Um, but Yurov um, – excuse me – you know, has a motor, elite skill, he can finish, you know, same thing with Ivan Miroshineko. Um, we have him comp to like Timo Meyer, Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, he could be ready to go in 2023. Has a heck of a shot. Last summer, you know, he was probably a top five player going into this class, but his production dipped a little bit before he was um, forced to stop playing. But, you know, his cancer prognosis is good and he is cleared to return to tra- training. So yeah, in case you did not know that, um, he was diagnosed, um, with cancer, but you know, he was able to beat it. He's cleared to return to play and, um, barring, barring something, um, barring some complications, um, it looks like he's going to be ready to go. So I would love to have either one of these two players at 21 Frank Nazar, the same thing, but also a player that a couple players that we really didn't get to yet. Um, Pavel Mintnukov, who is a defenseman, 6'1", 197 pounds, a left shot. Um, we have a couple comps, John Carlson, Morgan Riley. Um, you know, he's probably one of the best offensive defensemen in this draft. He has the full toolkit to succeed in the offensive zone. Um, he's also not going to get lost in his own zone. Um, you know, his zone exits are very, very good. Um, he plays an attacking style at all times when he's going into the offensive zone. Again, has a heck of a shot at the point. I think he could also quarterback the power play as well. Um, for those that are concerned about um, being him being important from Russia, um, don't be. He plays in the CHL, so um, he should be able to come you know, to the Pittsburgh Penguins or Wilkes-Barre um, anytime. And then finally, um, Lee and Bishnell, um, Lee and Bishel, excuse me, so we have him come to Keandre Miller and Eric Chernock. Um, he's six foot five, so I'm sure Brian Burke and Ron Hextall would love someone like that. Very good skater, plays with an edge. Uh, his offensive upside, not as much right there, but right now. But you know, I think with the right coaching um, down in Wilkesbury and down in some other junior leagues, and potentially up with the Penguins, um, I think he could potentially grow there. Um, I think he could be a steady second pairing guy. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be. A top pairing defenseman, but I do think he can be uh, at least a second pairing guy like a King Andre Miller. Now, for the players that are in range at 21, the players that we put in this category, Owen Pickering, who I did talk about yesterday, Isaac Howard, left winger, a um, couple comps for him, Braden Point and Matt Zuccarello. He's very dynamic, has beautiful hands. Just put on the highlight clip, um, the, the, the saucer passes that he'll dish up are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, very strong skater. I think he can improve there um, as well. Obviously, he's not that big, only 5'2", 182. Um, but I think he definitely, I think, has room to grow a little bit there, can put on some weight and all that. Um, 
Denton uh, Mayachuk, defenseman, 5'11", 188. A couple comps for him, Adam Fox and Devon Taves. Um, very great puck mover. He can skate. Um, elite in transition. Always makes great decisions with the puck on his stick. Um, also has a great shot at the point. Maybe can quarterback the power play. Uh, he hasn't really done that um, in a lot of his games that I've seen. Um, at least, but, you know, again, he's also not that big of a defenseman either. You know, how much is his, you know, lack of size going to impact um, his ceiling, but, you know, great hockey sense. Um, and again, great skating, booming shot. Um, he can do it all for you as a defenseman. So, you know, uh, and I think any one of these players will be really good for the Penguins um, at 21. Liam Ogren will throw in there as well. Um, Yager Ferkus. Um, we, uh, we compare him to Jake Ensel and Kevin Fiala. Um, he also has a heck of a shot, a little bit of a smaller frame, but you know, he gets to the dirty areas a la a Patrick Hornquist. So if I were to throw another comp in there, I would kind of compare him to Hornquist a little bit, I guess a Hornquist with a much better release, um, uh, to say the least and someone who you can put, um, not just in front of the net, but he can be a trigger man, um, on one of the circles. He can beat, uh, defenders one-on-one. And, you know, his playmaking ability is also very good. You know, when, when we were watching him, you know, looked very similar at times to Phil Kessel with how he was able to dish the puck across the offensive zone um, and his release. Well, it, it's not Kessel's, to say the least. I don't think anyone has a release quite like that. Um, uh, it's still pretty good. Now, to some players who we have as Hexy guys, and we have that as players that profile to, you know, past uh, Ron Hextall's and prior selections and Brian Burke's truculence and all that, you know, again, this does not mean they're bad selections, just guys um, who fit who, what they might be looking for. Um, so Ryan Chesley, a defenseman, um, six foot, 195 pounds. He's all situations who has good skating. He's decent in transition um, though. He's not, doesn't have bring a lot of offense just yet. Um, we have him like a Brian Dumoulin, Ryan Lindgren comp, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of player, you know, Dumoulin was very good for this team uh, for many years. And Ryan Lindgren, I think is on his way to being a very good defenseman for the Rangers, but you know, I don't think you're going to get a lot of offense um, out of him. Maverick uh, Lamaru, um, another defenseman, six, seven, 200 pounds. Uh, <laughs> that is a perfect Brian Burke truculence pick right there. Um, Nathan got um, Nathan Gauthier, center, 6'3", 207 pounds, right-hand shot. We got him compared to Kevin Hayes and Adam Lowry. Um, I've already talked about him a little bit um, on a a prior episode. Classic big body center. Um, But, you know, he's not really elite at anything. He's kind of a late riser. um, But he's probably only going to be a bottom six center um, if he does make the NHL in my opinion. And yes, the player that people were talking about on Penguin Twitter today, Rutger McGrorty, uh, right winger, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, he is highly skilled though, has a very nice shot, um, nice vision on the ice. He's great in front of the net. I mean, for God's sake, he's, he's, he weighs a ton. Um, but he also has, again, a nice shot from the outside of the net. His, his skating, I do think, could use a bit of an improvement, but you know, if it doesn't, you know, I think that's definitely going to impact um, his ceiling. You know, the comps we have for him, um, Chris Kreider and Tyler Toffoli. You know, we all saw just what Chris Kreider just did this year. And then lastly, um, uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, uh, right winger, 6'1", 186 pounds. Another comp to Chris Kreider. He's probably not going to be ready 
until 2025. Um, he's dangerous with the puck. Very good one-on-one skill. Great vision. Um, elite shot from honestly anywhere on the ice. He can win puck battles for you along the boards. Um, again, skating is a little bit of a question mark there. Could be his downfall. Um, but, you know, I think there's also potential work um, to be um, had there. And then for the lottery tickets, already touched on Brad Lambert, <clears throat> Lane Hudson, Jack Hughes, the other Jack Hughes, and Noah Warren. So the players, you know, I've already said my top two um, that if they're available at 21, I would take Daniel Yurov or Lane Hudson. You know, Hudson, if he pans out, you know, <clears throat> he's going to be a very good defenseman for years to come. Miro Shineko, um, I think I would take him if he were there as well. Frank Zanar, uh, Nazar, excuse me, if he falls, um, I would be more than happy to get him. But, you know, if 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 you want to go out there and get a Brad Lambert who, you know, he he, he could succeed. Trust me, I, 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 it's kind of 50-50 when it comes to me. You know, I, I personally am leaning on the side of caution. I don't see it, but, you know, these, these are prospects and anything can really happen. Um, but, you know, th- this spot that the Penguins are in, a lot of times it's a crapshoot. I mean, it, more times than not, you're probably not going to get a true impact player at the 20 or 21 pick. You know, a lot of times you're just going to get someone who can play um, in your bottom six or something like that. You know, for every, you know, I guess Jake Gensel you find in the NHL draft, even below the first round um, or something like that, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of Kisbury Kapanen's out there. I'm waiting to, to find their way onto an NHL roster. So that concludes this episode for the Locked on Penguins podcast. Let me know what you all think about Jason and I's big board. Did you like it? Do you, who do you have um, higher on your boards? And not just let me know in the YouTube comments. You can send me a DM on Twitter and all that. I, I haven't set up to message requests, but I, I still check them when, I, um, when I'm DMing people. So let me know who do you want the Penguins to take tomorrow night um, in the first round, if they do pick, and who do you, who else are you looking at them taking um, in the in the next few rounds after that? So again, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate um, everyone that listens to this podcast, and we will do another one of these on Thursday. I'm either going to be doing a live stream on the YouTube channel after the Penguins make their pick, or I'm going to do something a little bit before that. I will let you all know either way, whether it's on my Twitter account um, for the show or my personal Twitter account. So. Again, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll be back on Thursday.